Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I would like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series sponsored by Affiliated Monitors on strategies for corporations and corporate compliance programs under the new DOJ guidance issued in 2018. First, a word about Affiliated Monitors. Founded in 2004 and celebrating its 15th anniversary this year, Indeed, this month, Affiliated Monitors provides professional, independent integrity monitoring and ethics and compliance assessments nationally and internationally and across almost all industries. With its knowledge of effective ethics and compliance programs and cultures, Affiliated Monitors is respected for its work as the corporate monitor on matters ranging from multinational corporations to small and mid-sized companies and even individuals. Having served in over 700 monitorships, no one has more experience as an independent monitor than the team at Affiliated Monitors. For more information on how an independent monitor can help improve your company's compliance and ethics program, please visit our sponsor, Affiliated Monitors, at their website, www.affiliatedmonitors.com. Over the course of this five-part podcast series, we'll discuss some of the new DOJ guidance that came out in 2018, what companies can do with it both internally and externally, how a strong compliance program can be used as both a sword and a shield, and what are the benefits of using a third party to fulfill your compliance mandate. In this first episode, I visit with Eric Feldman on the new DOJ guidance generally. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back again for another series with Affiliated Monitors. Today, I have with me Eric Feldman. Eric is the Senior Vice President at Affiliated Monitors. Eric, first of all, uh, welcome, and thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you, Tom. Happy to be here. Eric, uh, first of all, congratulations on your election or selection to the Board of Directors for the ACFE. I've wanted to uh, uh, pass that along. It's a, a great honor for you. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate that. I'm looking forward to it. And as much as I wanted to talk to you about that, I'm really looking forward to talking to you about this new, or our topic today, which is the new DOJ guidance. Uh, there's a lot to slice and dice here, uh, but I see this as a huge boon for the compliance profession and the compliance practitioner. Uh, we're going to look at it today from perhaps a little more from the monitor perspective, but I see a lot of implications for companies uh, uh, retaining internal monitors. So uh, let me just start off by asking you, what do you, is your read on the Vinkowski memo on the overall use of monitors? Well, thanks, Tom. And, you know, I'm happy to, to hear you talk about the implications of this for the compliance profession as a whole, uh, because although the title of the new DOJ guidance is selection of monitors in criminal division matters. And it was written by the new assistant attorney general for the criminal division, Brian Benskowski. Um, there is a lot of meat in there that goes way beyond monitors and a lot of implications for how companies uh, run their ethics and compliance programs and create culture, et cetera. So it's very interesting. Every uh, professional conference I've been to since this thing was uh, issued back in October, um, people are coming up to me and asking, does this memo portend the, uh, the end of monitoring as we know it? And does this mean that there are going to be fewer monitors at DOJ? 
And I hate ask, answering a question with a question, uh, but I have to, and I have to, to say, uh, do you think that monitoring is all that he's talking about? And the answer is no, because much of what is in this memo regarding how DOJ selects monitors is not particularly new. There, there are some new process things, but the previous memo that was um, uh, the operating guidance on monitors, the Morford memo, really set forth um, a process that DOJ has used for many years. Uh, this particular memo uh, creates a new process within the DOJ uh, that starts from the premise that a monitor is only going to be appointed in those situations where it is absolutely necessary. And in fact, uh, they use terminology like the criminal division should favor the imposition of a monitor only when there is a demonstrated need for the monitor and clear benefit to be derived from a monitorship. And Benskowski goes on to define what those situations are uh, where a company needs to have a monitor. Uh, Eric, it really occurred to me in reading this memo that uh, this was almost a statement of the practice that the DOJ had evolved to over the past couple of years. And you did say it's a new process, but I, I guess I had seen that informal process going on, like I said, over the past couple of years. Would that be your observation, or do you see something different? Yes. Yes, Tom, that, that is my observation. I mean, they talk about uh, the criminal division attorney attorneys um, uh, responding to counsel for the company uh and they should advise counsel for the company that they can recommend a pool of three qualified monitor candidates. Um, that has been the practice at DOJ. Uh, they do, in this memo, talk about some time frames within 20 business days. Uh, the prosecutors have to identify uh, or review the qualifications. They have to obtain a written certification of uh, uh, that there's no conflict of interest. They've been doing that anyway from each of the candidates. Um, they want to get the company's first choice to serve as a monitor. They've been doing that anyway as part of the, the process. Um, the memo uh, requires consideration of each candidate's background, education and training, experience, objectivity, and all of those things that you would expect DOJ would would think about. Um, it, it spells out very clearly that DOJ can select from the three or they can evaluate alternative candidates. But they do establish a new process with a standing committee at DOJ rather than just the deputy AG that will make the final decision based on the recommendation of the prosecutors as to who is going to uh, be the monitor. 
Eric, if we could turn now to the conditions requiring the monitor, and although my observation once again has is that this was the DOJ practice, here we have in writing what those conditions are, and could we start by just maybe highlighting the conditions as you see them? Well, as I see it, the the conditions which are you know very much the same um, as before uh, is that. There has to be a um, a compelling need for there to be a monitor. There are two broad considerations that Benskowski identifies. Potential benefits that employing a monitor might have for the corporation and the public. So what what is the benefit of imposing a monitor on a company? And now for the first time, I haven't seen this in previous memoranda, they talk about the cost of the monitor and the impact of the monitor on the operations of a corporation. So on the one hand, you have to look at the benefits. On the other hand, you need to examine and evaluate the costs. And there may have been, and I guess there have been some allegations that DOJ has in some cases not been uh, sensitive to the costs and the impact of a monitor on a corporation. Now, of course, you know that in our practice, the way that we do monitorships, the impact on the operations of a company is always at the forefront, that we're trying not to be uh, uh, have a negative impact. In fact, we're trying to have create value added on the company. Uh, but now DOJ is going to be looking at, at that process. Um, previously, uh, under the Morford memo, uh, they did discuss that there needs to be a demonstrated need and clear benefits. So in very broad terms, this isn't new. But talking about the cost versus the benefit, I think, is a new consideration for DOJ. In later podcasts, we're going to go into what this might mean for the company going through an FCPA investigation and the remediation process. But I wanted to end this segment with um, sort of, uh, I guess, from your perspective as someone who's actively been a monitor, but you've been um, uh, lots of other roles in your career. Do you see this as part of a, a Department of Justice evolution are they listening to critiques and criticisms from others, or is it something else? I think it is part of an evolution, Tom. I, I think in a couple of ways. First, I think they're listening to companies that you know, have been uh, vociferously complaining about the cost and adverse impact in some cases of monitors. Um, and, and that's important because there are some horrendous examples out there. But at the same time, I think that this is part of the evolution of thinking about the positive impact that a monitor can have and an ethics and compliance program can have on a company. Because as you know, we'll discuss in, in the future segments, the Benkowski memo highlights the objective of creating a stronger ethics and compliance program and remediating controls as one of the considerations 
uh, for whether a monitor is necessary or not. And what the Benskowski memo does is it provides a roadmap for a company to avoid a monitor. Well, Eric, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time today, but today I've been visiting with Eric Feldman, the SVP at Affiliated Monitors. We took up the Benkowski memo and what it uh, might mean generally for the monitor selection process and the use of monitors. I hope you'll come back and join us tomorrow where we start taking a look at what companies can do internally. Eric, uh, thank you, and I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and our exploration of Strategies for Corporations under the new DOJ guidance, which was issued in 2018. And I hope you'll join us again tomorrow for another episode. Please check out Affiliated Monitors at their website, www.affiliatedmonitors.com. Affiliated Monitors is the sponsor of this podcast. The podcast has been a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.